from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast's October extravaganza. This entire month, you're going to get extra podcasts or videos that are of the various horror-themed variety. Now, this podcast is going to be about another killer mom, Andrea Yates. I have to give my disclaimer, disclaimer, this one's pretty rough, okay? So, I just wanted to warn you. Andrea Pia Kennedy was born on July 2nd, 1964 in Hallsville, Texas. So, let's get into some history for that time. Starting with the cost of living, the average annual salary was about $6,000. The cost of the average car was around $3,500. A new, modest house would have cost you about $13,000. A gallon of gas was just $0.30 a gallon. And if you were paying rent, that rent would have been about $115 a month. The Vietnam War was raging and President Johnson was given the authority without a formal declaration of war by Congress to be able to send military forces to Southeast Asia. And speaking of President Johnson, the Warren Commission report on the assassination of President John F. Kennedy came to the conclusion that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone because, sure, Malta gained its independence from the UK, and the British and French governments announced their intentions of building a tunnel under the English Channel to connect the two countries. And in Scotland, the Queen opened the Fourth Road Suspension Bridge, which connected Edinburgh to Fife. And in the US, the Verrazano Narrows Bridge was opened, which joined Staten Island to Brooklyn. Albert DeSalvo, a.k.a. the Boston Strangler, was finally captured, where he eventually confessed to his murders. And in the UK, the death penalty was officially abolished. And of course, we have to mention that the Winter Olympics were held in Austria this year. Sidney Poitier became the first black actor to win the Best Actor Oscar. The Rolling Stones released their debut album. The Beatles made their first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Bob Dylan released his classic, quote, The Times They Are a Change In. And the movie Mary Poppins was released this year. Other notable people born this year were Lenny Kravitz, Russell Crowe, Terry Hatcher and movie Jesus himself, Keanu Reeves. So this was the atmosphere that Andrea was born into. Now Andrea's parents were Andrew Emmett Kennedy and Jetta Karen Kohler. 
Andrew's parents were Irish immigrants and he was born in Massachusetts in 1917. He later joined the Air Force and was a pilot during World War II and was stationed in Germany. That's where he met Jutta, who was working as a local translator. They soon married, and when they came back to the United States, they settled in Houston, Texas. Andrew worked as a high school auto shop teacher, and Jutta was a homemaker. Now together, Andrew and Jutta had five children. Andrew, Brian, Patrick, Michelle, and Andrea, who was the youngest. Sources say that the family was just the stereotypical Roman Catholic family, and while there doesn't seem to be a lot of information about her early years, from listening to interviews with childhood friends, as well as a brother who has agreed to be interviewed, she was a pretty happy little girl who just wanted to please people, especially the elderly people around her neighborhood. When other kids would normally be annoyed by their parents, Andrea never complained. One of her closer friends from school spoke about how it was obvious that Andrea was crazy about her parents, and she got along with her siblings pretty well. It would also appear that Andrea absolutely loved water. She loved going to the beach in Houston and playing in the Gulf waters or splashing around in the pool at the YMCA, and she was a rather accomplished swimmer. She also worked with her siblings, riding around in the back of Judda's station wagon, throwing newspapers out at the butt crack of dawn. But her brother also described her as, quote, stoic and carefully controlled, unquote, much like their father's personality. And once Andrea was a teenager, she began to show signs of mental illness. Depression was the first diagnosis, and as we are all familiar with the pressures that teenage girls often feel about their physical looks, Andrea then developed bulimia. During high school, Andrea began to concern herself rather heavily with theology, the study of the nature of God and religious beliefs, and discussed issues like the existence of the human soul with her siblings, and she took it really seriously. She avoided school dances or any major social gatherings, preferring instead to stay home and read over her biology and chemistry books, which kind of sounds like me. By the age of 17, she confessed to a friend of hers that she had already considered suicide. But outside of that, at least by all outward appearances, she was a very successful young girl. She was the captain of the swim team, an officer of the National Honor Society, and even graduated high school in 1982, the valedictorian of her class. Which, for my international listeners, means she graduated having the highest grades or academic achievements in her entire graduating class. And though it isn't super detailed, this was her childhood, and I think we comfortably get the gist. So let's unpack. Though we don't have any really concrete stories, it appears that Andrea's childhood was, for the most part, idyllic. She came from a good and close family, loved by her parents dearly. Though my observations seem that she did lean more towards being a daddy's girl, which is fine. 
There is absolutely no evidence that she was abused or neglected in any form or fashion. It's pretty clear that she was taken for plenty of enjoyable activities such as going to the beach, going to the Y to swim, and so on. I just don't see any red flags here so far. But once Andrea gets a bit older, we see that she begins to show signs of depression. And according to an interview with one of her brothers, it turns out that depression really ran pretty rampant through that family. So according to the Mayo Clinic, teen depression is a serious mental health problem that causes persistent feelings of sadness and loss of interest in activities. It affects how they think, feel, and behave and can cause emotional, functional, and physical problems. And it is important to note that symptoms of depression in teens versus adults are usually very different. Of course, being a teen is already difficult enough, what with societal pressures and school expectations, changing hormones, and so on. So there are going to be lows, and that's normal. But teen depression isn't a weakness or something that they can just, quote, get over. Side note, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me to just get over it. And then we have her bulimia. According to the Stanford Children's Health, bulimia nervosa is an eating disorder where a child binges or overeats uncontrollably, followed by self-induced purging or throwing up. And they could be doing this in severe cases several times a day. And while researchers aren't entirely sure what causes bulimia, they believe that there are some things that can lead to it, such as cultural ideals and social attitudes about body appearance, self-evaluation based on body weight and shape, and family problems. And they also say that children with bulimia are more likely to come from families with a history of eating disorders, physical illness, or mental health issues, such as mood disorders or substance abuse. And, of course, we already know that depression ran in her family. So the symptoms of this include low body weight and the child weighing themselves more often than what would be considered normal. Secret binge eating, um, secret throwing up, excessive exercise or fasting, strange eating rituals, improper use of laxatives, depression, food obsessions, body shape obsessions, but the big one seems to be anxiety. And then we know by the time she was 17, she had already contemplated suicide. What I personally see here is a very sick girl trying to be perfect and have the perfect figure, the perfect grades, the perfect athlete, all while battling bulimia and depression. And again, it is not my place to diagnose. I would have also said that she had anxiety. It's just my opinion. But let's continue. After high school, Andrea completed a two-year pre-nursing program at the University of Houston and graduated from the University of Texas School of Nursing. After graduating, she moved into an apartment complex and decided it was time to start dating. A friend of hers from high school stated that she never dated in high school, not at all. She was never known to have a boyfriend, 
nothing. She also began working as a registered nurse at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. So, a man named Rusty Yates also lived in the same apartment complex. He worked as a computer systems designer for NASA. Yeah, that NASA. According to the information he personally gave to author Susie Spencer, the first time he saw Andrea was at the apartment complex swimming pool. She was just floating and enjoying the water while Rusty was sitting poolside listening to his radio. A few months later, Andrea was actually the one to approach him first on the subject of maybe going out. And after three years of dating and having lived together for a short while, they got married. Rusty also said that Andrea was not really interested in sex, though she would allow it, but she would not allow him to even see her naked. It is reported that after they bought a four-bedroom house in a Houston neighborhood, they decided they would, quote, seek to have as many babies as nature allowed, unquote, which pretty much follows the Catholic faith, or at least it did. Now, before they were even married a year, their son Noah was born in February of 1994. Andrea then struggled with the idea of going back to work because she loved being a nurse. Some say she stated that she wanted to go back to work, but Rusty insisted that that was not the case. He said that she stated quite firmly that she wanted to stay home with the baby. He was making $80,000 a year at that time in the early 90s, which made money not really an issue for that time. Then shortly after, during her postpartum healing time, she stated that she began having visions of a knife and thoughts of stabbing someone. She also said that she had visions of Satan speaking to her, and yet at the time, she told no one. Also during this time, Rusty had accepted a position in Florida, so they moved into a small trailer in Seminole on the west coast of Florida. Within a few years, she had given birth to two more sons, John and Paul. After this, they moved back to Houston and then they purchased a motorhome. And then this is where things get a little strange, okay? So reportedly they were also closely following the teachings of a street preacher who Rusty had met in college, and he was a very kind of quote fire and brimstone guy by the name of Michael Warrenecki. And there's a whole thing with him if you guys would like a podcast about him. Just leave me a comment or DM me on Instagram and let me know. Now, Michael had once been a college football player, actually his wife, a cheerleader. Now, they were getting into trouble pretty regularly for their street performances, you know, dancing around in costumes and whatnot, and they were actually forced to leave Michigan because they were about to face prosecution. I mean, they sound fabulous. So the Warnecki family has actually traveled all over the country and actually some different countries as well preaching their own version of Christianity, which included saying that, you know, all Catholics were going straight to hell, 
which was how Andrea was raised. One of the things Michael taught was living with the bare minimum, which is probably why they moved into that trailer park in a motorhome. Michael also spoke about having a place to live and a job was actually against God, that it was the same as following Satan. Other followers began to question his teachings and they bailed, but not Andrea and Rusty, and in particular, Andrea. She kept in close communication with him and his wife. And then when Andrea found out that Michael was selling a used bus, she insisted that they buy it. So they moved out of their mobile home and into this barely over 300 square foot bus with three children, three children. She was also doing her best to homeschool her children, teaching them letters, numbers, and a heaping dose of Christian theology. And as if this wasn't enough, Andrea was also helping to take care of her father, who was now diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And then came their fourth son, Luke. Her postpartum depression was intense, and yet, like any other time, she kept it to herself, slapping on the plastic smile and appeasing anyone who might think she was anything other than perfect. And then later, letters were found from Michael addressed to Andrea, telling her that she was evil, weak, and wicked. He told her that she was a daughter of Eve, who of course was a wicked witch. Michael preached that all women inherited some witchcraft directly from Eve and have the spirit of a Jezebel. And you know, women should be completely subservient to men and that men should be dominant over their women. And he also preached that women were lazy mothers who didn't discipline their children nearly enough. One of the things he wrote in one of his newsletters, he had these newsletters, said, quote, Modern mother, worldly, was very, very lazy. All her children drove her crazy. The Bible told her to spank and train them, but society said she must never constrain them. The fruit of rebellion she did now see. On the day of judgment she will have no plea. Modern mother worldly cast in hell. Now what becomes of the children of such a Jezebel? Unquote. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So in June of 1999, Andrea began to crack. She called Rusty at work and told him that he needed to come home. So he left NASA and drove to the RV park where their bus was parked and found her chewing on her fingers, not her fingernails, her actual fingers and apparently she was shaking all over she looked at him and simply said quote I need help unquote 
Then the next morning, she attempted to commit suicide by taking an overdose of medication. Finally realizing that something was very wrong, they took her, her husband and one of her brothers, to a local hospital where it was said that she had suffered a nervous breakdown, diagnosed with major depressive disorder, and was prescribed antidepressant medication including Zoloft. She was released after about a week's time and sent home. It was later said she was sent home only after a week because her insurance would not pay for any more days. And now her fearless religious leader, Michael, had always preached about how bad medicine was, so she promptly stopped taking her medication. So once released, she went to her parents' house to rest for just a bit longer, where she began to literally rip out bald spots on her head and she dug at her own flesh, creating sores on her body. She started hallucinating again and begged Rusty to let her kill herself while she was holding a knife to her neck. And from what I found, he thought it would be a good idea to, I don't know, take Andrea and his children for a long walk on the beach. Not back to the hospital, a long walk on the beach. But of course, he was quoted later as saying that he really didn't know what else to do. She had claw marks on her legs where she was trying to keep herself from literally harming her children. She stated quite plainly that she wanted to kill herself so that she would not harm her children. But regardless, she was finally hospitalized again, diagnosed with postpartum psychosis and given medications such as Effexor and Wellbutrin with the inclusion of Haldol. Now guys, Haldol is no joke. This medication is used to treat certain mental and mood disorders and it is an antipsychotic. The medication is supposed to help the person think more clearly, feel less nervous, and make everyday life more tolerable. WebMD says, quote, it can help prevent suicide in people who are likely to harm themselves. It also reduces aggression and the desire to hurt others. It can decrease negative thoughts and hallucinations. It is also sometimes prescribed for Tourette's syndrome and is also sometimes used for severe behavioral problems in hyperactive children when other medications have not worked." Unquote. But thankfully, she responded and improved rather quickly and she was released. She was instructed to continue taking her medications. Rusty, from the insistence of Andrea's mother, then moved the family finally out of a bus into a small house to also help with his wife's recovery. And all in all, Andrea was coming back feeling better, leaps and bounds. I actually saw a home movie where she was throwing a birthday party not long after she had come home for one of her sons and she had baked this truck-shaped, like really fancy birthday cake. She looked happy. I mean, in the video, she's vibrant. She continued to stay home and homeschool the children while caring for her infant, and the work the children did at the time, according to experts, shows that they were very creative and very highly intelligent, so she was definitely plugged into their education and was doing a great job. But of course, this bliss did not last. It was all of four months. 
even though her psychiatrist told both Andrea and Rusty that they should absolutely not have any more children, that if Andrea were to have another baby, it would, quote, guarantee future psychotic depression, unquote. She was pregnant again after only seven weeks from being discharged from the hospital. So, of course, for the health of her baby, she stopped taking her medications and she gave birth to their final child and only daughter, Mary, in 2000. Now, guys, sit down. You are not going to believe this. Rusty defended their decision to have another baby like this. He said that if you had, say, a brand new Mercedes-Benz offered to you completely free of charge, but you had to be sick with the flu for two weeks, would you do it? What? Can you even wrap your mind around that? He said that he knew full well that Andrea was sick, but that after she had the baby, well, she could just go back on the medications and all would be well. Needless to say, that's not how it ended. So after a few months after the birth of Mary, Andrea's father then died from complications due to him having Alzheimer's. Andrea just could not take it and she started to completely shut down. She stopped drinking liquids. She stopped speaking for the most part. She dug at her own skin. She was mutilating herself. She was like obsessively reading out of her Bible, like constantly. She even had stopped feeding her baby. And when she did, she attempted to feed this infant solid food and the baby nearly choked. Rusty again rushed her off to a treatment center where she stayed all of two months. The psychiatrist did put her back on medication again before she was released in April of 2001. So here's where things get crazy. April 2001, she's released. But again, she stopped taking her medication. She regressed quickly and was in a, quote, nearly catatonic state and had filled the bathtub with water, intending to drown her children, and then she decided not to. She told no one. She was then hospitalized again in May and then released. So April, now we're in May. In June of 2001, only about a month after her release, Rusty, who had been taking her to her therapy sessions with a psychiatrist, decided, oh, I don't know, Andrea was well enough to be left alone at home with the kids, which was completely against the advice of the doctor. The doctor had actually said that Andrea was to be supervised at all times with their children. Now, Rusty did make arrangements for his mother to come about an hour after he left, and he thought that this was going to kind of train Andrea to be able to be alone with the children. So on that day, in that one hour between when Rusty left and his mother was supposed to arrive, Andrea would commit one of the most heinous acts any human could do. Disclaimer, disclaimer. She filled the bathtub up. She picked up three and a half year old Paul. She drowned him and put him on her bed. She then went and got two year old Luke and pushed him down in the water and killed him, also placing him on her bed. 
She then got five and a half year old John and drowned him, putting his lifeless body with his brothers. She moved on to six month old Mary. Once Mary was dead, she left the infant's body in the water and then she moved on to seven year old Noah. Mary's body was then placed in John's arms and she left Noah in the bathtub. She called the police and she told them that she needed a police officer. The 911 operator, due to Andrea not being really able to even answer her questions, and this is kind of part of being in a catatonic state, she began to ask her if someone was actually possibly standing beside her and not letting her speak, but Andrea said no, she just wanted a police officer. The operator asked if she needed an ambulance, and at first she said no, and then she said yes to go ahead and send one. She admitted that she was ill. Now, once her phone conversation with the 911 operator was over, she called Rusty at work and told him he needed to come home quickly, that something was wrong with the children, all of them. The police came and escorted her out of the back of the house because Rusty had arrived and he was angrily pacing up front. She came out of the house in handcuffs and her hair was still wet, her shirt was still wet. It's, it's a lot. Side note, the officers that saw the entire scene were severely affected by it from then on. So once they got Andrea at the station, she gave a full confession. She said that she had waited for Rusty to leave because she knew he would not have let her harm the children. When asked why, she basically said that she wanted to save her children from hell. She said, quote, It's better to tie a stone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea than to cause a little one to stumble. Unquote. You see, she believed that she was the daughter of Eve, that she was inherently wicked, doomed, and that she had been too lenient with her children and thus they were going to grow up to be wicked. She said that she thoroughly believed since she killed them while they were still little that God might still receive them. Although the defense's expert testimony agreed that Yates was psychotic, Texas law does require that in order to successfully use the insanity defense, the defendant must prove that he or she could not discern right from wrong at the time of the crime, and she admitted that she waited for her husband to leave because he'd stop her. So in March of 2002, a jury rejected the insanity defense and found her guilty. The prosecution had wanted her to receive the death sentence, but she was instead given a sentence of life in prison. She was then given a new trial due to some false testimony, and in 2006, she was finally found not guilty by reason of insanity and was ultimately placed in the Kerrville State Hospital in Kerrville, Texas. So apparently Andrea's brother Brian had been on Larry King Live where he explained that while they were literally on their way to take Andrea to a treatment facility that Rusty said, quote, all depressed people needed was a swift kick in the pants to get them motivated, unquote, because that's how that works. 
Rusty stated to the media that he had never been told by psychiatrists that his wife was psychotic, nor that she could harm the children, and that, had he known otherwise, he would have never had more children. Quote, If I'd known she was psychotic, we would have never even considered having more kids. Unquote. And he told this to the Dallas Observer. However, she revealed to her prison psychiatrist that Prior to their last child, she had actually told Rusty that she didn't want to have sex anymore because she was scared she would get pregnant and her doctor told her that she might hurt her children. Andrea said that Rusty pushed his procreative religious beliefs at her. He complimented her as a good mother and persuaded her that she could handle more children. While in prison, Andrea stated that she had considered killing the children for two years adding that they, and I, you know, don't know who they, the proverbial they are, that they thought she was not a good mother and claimed that her sons were developing improperly. She told her jail psychiatrist, quote, it was the seventh deadly sin. My children weren't righteous. They stumbled because I was evil. The way I was raising them, they could never be saved. They were doomed to perish in the fires of hell." So Rusty divorced her and eventually married another woman and together they had a son. It's not been too long ago that Rusty's new wife divorced him. Andrea spends her time now making crafts that are anonymously sold for charity, and she also watches old home movies of her children. Since she has been on her medications for so long now, she does reflect on what she has done, and she understands how horrific it is. So, Murder Fam, what do you think? I have some pretty strong opinions about this one, but I want to hear your thoughts. Leave me a comment on the YouTube channel or DM me on Instagram at Serial underscore Killing. Um, I hope you're enjoying the October extravaganza this month so far. And always, thank you so much for listening and all of your love and support. You guys mean the world to me. I hope you understand that. This has been so much fun and I just love you guys. Thank you and have a great day.